April 17, 2023, it's Watt for Pedro Show.
Pedro Show. Happy Monday. Started off with Miles Davis when he had John Coltrane in his band. This is live at the Olympia Theater, Paris, March 21, 1960, Olio. And we had J.P. Lemka and EDME with Music Four Hotels. <laughs> I don't know if I pronounced that right, but you could tell people I am not man alone because of those software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention. I got <laughs> with me all the way from Eugene, Oregon, J.P. Lemka. Welcome aboard, J.P. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate being on the show. Absolute. And we got to give credit, Brother Randolph, for the connect. Yes, thank you, Randolph. Absolute. So we want to learn about how you come up with this music and what kind of journey it took to get to where you are now. So please bring your earliest musical recollection. Well, uh, my mom was a music teacher. Um, she's kind of out of that now. She's old and retired. Um, but I remember being a kid and... She was playing guitar for church at the time, still does. And I remember hearing that as a kid, but I think more prominently than that, she was teaching all my older siblings piano. I was about five years old at the time, I remember this. And I really, really wanted to play piano. I just loved the idea of playing piano, and my mom could hardly keep me off of it, and I really, really wanted to do it. Um, but she was kind of delaying on me, she told me later, because she didn't want to start me so young. But she gave up when I was six and decided that she was going to do it. So um, I remember we had, like, the anyone who learned piano might know these, like the James Bastion method books that had like different colors. Like you have your primer level and your level one. I think the level one is purple and level two is blue. And I had to just race through all those and beat out all my other siblings and be the best pianist. <laughs> so in like the first year, I think I did like the first three books in the primer. <laughs> and then I got to level four and I'm like, oh, well, I've passed everyone else. And <laughs> it kind of slowed down a bit after that. So it was a positive experience. Oh, yeah, very positive. Experience. No, I say that, JP, because a lot of the guests I have on the show, God, next month it'll be 22 years. Huh? Uh, most of them, the piano lesson experience almost drove them away from music. I think it had a lot to do with the teacher. You know, uh, that's such a shame. I'm, I'm, I'm now a music teacher myself, but I feel like. I don't know. I had a lot of like individual drive to it. I was very drawn to it. And my mom's a nice person. So it worked out pretty well for me. Usually it's tough when it's that close of a connect, right? Because they'll, they'll use other forms of, uh, I don't know, control. <laughs> you know? I mean, but maybe it's good. That's why I have uh, different people on the show, not the same cat, because we all got different ways of doing music, learning it, doing it, you know, uh, ideas about it. So let me ask you this. I know that you had a piano and the pad. Did you have other kind of instruments? Um, let's see. I mentioned my mom's guitar, but I never learned to play that. And my sisters and brothers having their own instruments like uh, my sister played saxophone and both my sisters got electric guitars at some point. I did eventually end up picking up that saxophone. 
So there was um, some cross-pollinization, that, the fiefdoms of the instruments. Yeah. It took a while, though, right? Just like I started playing piano when I was like six, and sure, it wasn't sure. until I started band that I explored other instruments. Well, let, let me ask you about school. Were you in the choir yeah. or the marching band or shit like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did. I did all the things I could. I went to a really small school, so kind of limited options. But uh, I started band in fifth grade. And then, like, we had a combined junior high, senior high band. So once I got into seventh grade, I was a part of that. I'm curious, because uh, it's hard to march with a piano. So which, <laughs> where did you work, uh, play? I picked up uh, the euphonium. Or ah, that's what I'm trying to learn right now. Fuck, is it hard? But it's, <laughs> it's bass clef, though. Yeah, I, I got think... this motherfucker in the late 80s on tour, and I'm finally now learning... It's got a mouthpiece like a bone. It's a big one. But uh, yeah, ba bass yeah. clef and stuff. Very close to the baritone horn. Only slight difference. I, all this time yeah. I thought I had a baritone horn, but I found out a few months ago it's a euphonium. Yeah, you know, I thought I had a baritone when I started too. It's where um, the valves are yeah. and the way they taper the tube, but they're they're pretty close. Yeah, so I, I I picked up that when I started in fifth grade. I intended to move to tuba, but I just never did. Um, and I uh, we never did any like field marching. You mentioned marching, but we definitely like marched in the Wallace, Nebraska parade. Very yeah, small yeah, parade. like at football <laughs> at football games or Thanksgiving or Christmas or stuff. Uh, let me ask you this: first record you bought with your own money. Uh, you know, um, I think I would have, I would have been a teenager, probably around 16. I bought, oh, get this. I remember buying Evanescence's Evanescence's big album. What is the name of that album? The one that had all their original hits on it. And also I got, um, Death Magnetic by, um, oh, why am I forgetting the name of that group? Um, well, you know, when you're a kid, you ain't got a lot of money, so that's why yeah, I asked Metallica, that of course, Metallica. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't tell you that answer. What about the first gig that you saw? Uh, what counts as a gig? Because live like, performance of music, live performance of music that's like a really good question. Um, probably so young that I couldn't remember it, ah. probably, but. I do. I do remember going to sing like the Nutcracker Suite, you know, yeah, the ballet. Sure, sure. At like the local community theater in a nearby town. I had uh, one of those. I found in some fucking costume shop. You know, the Rat King and his little army. I found one of the mouse suits, and I fucking wore it. For this, <laughs> a project called the Madonna Bees. Because you <laughs> know awesome. it wasn't our own material, and I thought it was side mouse and Madonna's work. So I got, only wore the, tried to wear the head once, and it almost killed me. So I wore it without the head, but the big old mouse ass and the tail. And <laughs> there was a trip about it. Zipper in the back. So now I think I know what it feels like for women wearing bras. <laughs> it's fucked up. You know, when you have the buttons in the front, it's a lot, a lot more calm. So uh, let me ask you this. After school, but not graduate, in the afternoon, did you get into the basement band, the bedroom band, the garage band thing? Did I? You know, I never uh, I never had like a band that 
you know, we haven't played like pop or rock music or anything like that. Um, I don't even think there was one in the tiny little town I grew up in. I don't think anyone was doing it. Okay. There were only like three people. No, that that makes sense. I mean, you know, like I said, everybody comes from different places. Uh, you gave me this uh, tune here. Shoes are your choice. I want to play it. I have the, this pair of um, Chelsea boots. They are forest green. I got them very recently. They are waterproof, which is fantastic for Oregon. But the selling point on these shoes were that they smell like lemon. The whole concept of the brand is that they had these shoes that smell like lemons and it smells insanely like lemon drops, which is amazing because when I'm like working and wearing these shoes, they just smell like freaking lemons. They're wonderful. When I was in ninth grade, I played basketball and I had these shoes. They were blue, white and gold and they were Nike high tops for when I played basketball, but I was shit at basketball. So the shoes were like one of two things that I got from basketball. The second thing was a lesson in the fact that I can't run. And that when you run that fast, they squeak. When I was in sixth grade, I had this pair of penny loafers and I didn't realize they were penny loafers until the day before fifties day when my mom informed me that they were penny loafers. So I put pennies in them and I wore them to school, which was a great idea until uh, PE came around and I realized I didn't have tennis shoes. So I ran around the track in penny loafers. It wasn't fun. I have a pair of black suede ankle boots that have zippers on the inside of each ankle. And although they are probably the cheapest shoes I own, they are the ones I wear the most often day to day because they are insanely comfortable. I have a pair of leather boots that although seem like work boots, they have a very stiff sole, almost wood, um, and they have hobnail in it, which is a very old school style boot. And the reason why I bought these boots is because my great uncle used to wear these old style boots exactly like that. But he wore them everywhere. Didn't matter where it was, work or going to a party. So that's why I got these boots. I have this pair of, I, they're black shoes. I just described them as nice shoes because I have no idea what they're made of. Maybe it's like a fake leather or something. I got them in, man, it had been like my freshman year of high school and I still have them. I probably got them because I was in like speech or something, like competitive speaking and I needed nice shoes. And now they've continued to be like my nice shoes, except they're like really scuffed and I never polished them. And like the laces are way too long because the old laces broke. And so I relaced it with something that's super long. So I tie like super big bows with them. And then I tuck that into my shoes. So it doesn't look like I'm walking around with these giant bows. So yeah, they'll probably continue to live with me until they completely fall apart.
Love you. 
goes over your house It's the enamel on your teeth You can't begin to enjoy If all you've ever done is enjoy You can't begin to live If all you've ever done is live You can't begin to escape If all you've ever done is escape
Hétérodiophone romantique.
Thank you.
Watch for Pedro Show. That chunk of music style with JP Lemkin. Lemka, sorry. It's and, Lemke, actually. Lemke. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, kind of uh, anglicized. Yeah, that's, that, okay. that's okay. That's okay. You know, you deserve to fucking decide how your name's going to be said. <laughs> Not fucking what, Pedro. And and am I uh, saying this uh, is an acronym? A- E-D-M-E? Or is it a word? Is that Edma? At EDME, at Eugene Difficult Music Ensemble. Okay, that's what I thought, because uh, I played a bunch from the, uh, they had a big convention, right, a big gig, and uh, I had Randolph and uh, Graham on there, and we played a bunch of that. So EDME, so I was 50% there. Mm-hmm. So Lemke, people, don't let idiot from Pedro steer you wrong. <laughs> so shoes of your choice. Then we had the Chunks, brand new, out of Scotland, not England. I've been saying puppet... Midnight, that bass man. He's from the wrong land. Sorry. Fuck. <laughs> I, make, I blow a lot of clams. Let's put it. But I don't mean to. But I will apologize. No problem. Greg Turner group after that. Greg Turner's got a new album. Uh, what can I do to make you love me? This is Greg Turner from uh, VOM. Angry Smones. Teacher's Calculus, right? At the university... New Mexico, or is it well, some some university out there? Uh, planning for burial, late twenties blues, hand model within joy, infinite river, prequel track two. Uh, Yao Bobby and Simon Grab with Fagden, brand new stuff. Nineteen minutes forty seconds. Is that a band name? Ether Etherode. Diaphone Romantique. Is that a title? And then finally, J.P. Lemke and EDME with, with, exclamation point even, people. With. Okay. Continue on now with the saga. So you don't do these uh, bedroom band, garage band, basement band. You do graduate high school. Yep. Do you go to higher education to further your music trip? I do. I go to the University of Nebraska at Kearney, and I decide that I'm going to study piano and composition there. Kearney, way in the West. I, I got played that town once. It's, oh, really? It's well, not it's... Kearney, people. It's it's Gaelic, so it's Gar- Kearney. And there's a, <laughs> there's a weird kind of sculpture over the freeway there at I-80, like yep. the prairie, some... some uh, Celebration of the Prairie with the, it's the trippiest thing, kind of a lot of stainless steel. And I remember we were doing a soft song, my version of uh, Daniel Johnson's Walking the Cow, and you could hear the dudes with the baseball hats drowning us out pertinent with the fucking foosball. Uh, you know this game with the little ball? Yeah. <laughs> so that's my carny. Well, there's more to it. You got to read the diary, but it was pretty intense. We cocked at a house... This pad, uh, the the cat's parents, Christmas should be every day. So it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, May or something when there's little white things and Christmas decorations. That was a trip. So that's my card thing. So you went to school there for music? Yep. Okay. How about that experience? 
interesting. I think it really drove me to write music the way I, I still do. Um, very formative for me. So for one, it was a big development for me on piano, uh, where I, um, you know, I'd kind of been, my mom was my teacher, like I said, and part, she kind of stopped doing that when I was like seventh or eighth grade, and I just continued to play on my own. Um, and I had awful technique. So I'm really grateful to the instructor I had. She was amazing and really helped me on that front. And then like on the, on the composition side of things, I got exposed to a lot of composers I hadn't heard before. Pendereski, Zanakis, I remember being big influences at the time. Oliveros, who continues to be a big influence for the ensemble as well. And so that really changed my perspective around music. John Cage, too. Might as well throw in Cage. Yeah, we all owe him. I remember uh, Carl Stone had a show called Imaginary Landscape on KPFK when I was a teenager here. And, man, the trippiest musics I heard. I mean, the whole idea of what is music, right? John Cage is always asking that question. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so during this time, you're just doing independent study at the school. You're not in any kind of uh, ensembles? Or... Oh, yeah. I'm doing ensembles, too, at the time. So I continued in band, uh, continued to play my euphonium through um, the next four years while I was there. Um, and I actually took a couple private lessons in euphonium, too. Why not? Um and I also joined a new music ensemble. Um, so got to play some interesting and, and weird things. Um, I remember, um, what's it called? Workers Union? Andreasen, I think is the composer, as like a big highlight from that. So you were just a member. You, you weren't heading this ensemble. No, no. I was headed by a faculty member, by the composition instructor. Okay, okay. So, so it was kind of like part of the class, uh, education? Yeah, I took it as a class initially, and then I just continued to sign up for... Um, I didn't I didn't get any credit for it. I, would, I just joined and performed with it. And what about... Does this ensemble do any of your own compositions? You know, we never had any student compositions in wow. the, the new music ensemble officially. We would just, like, find each other and put together our own recitals. Like, you were required to do a junior and a senior composition recital in addition to my piano recitals. So I'd just put together the, the performers myself, and the other composers would do the same. We'd often play on each other's um, pieces um, the composition instructor did a new music festival that I would uh, I would always sign up for and perform. Whoever submitted and got accepted into that. Now, now, what about like gigs? Was there venues around the campus or, so, or somewhere in te in Kearney? I can't remember the place I played. Shit, kind of a bar. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's probably in the diary up on the hoot page. But did you do stuff like that? You know, like. Dudes who were whooping up a, a bedroom band and wanted to take it to the people. Yeah, no, I still was never, I never really did that sort of thing. Even with uh, colleagues at the school. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really occupied with university. The closest I think I got to community outreach of any sort was like, um, since I still played low brass, we did low brass valentines 
for people that they paid for. Super hokey and awesome. Like you get a cheesy love, love song and we'd bring it to someone either at the university or out in the community and play for them on the spot. Really? Whoa. Yeah. Like a singing telegram trip. Yeah, a singing telegram, but with like a tuba and a euphoria yeah, sure, or a sure. trombone. Wow, that that's that's a gig. I would call that a gig. Yeah, we'll count it. Now it's almost a command performance, right, for one cat, but you know, you gotta work the room or work the porch or you know, the yeah, doorstep or some shit like that. Yeah, what a trip. So how long were you there, Carney? Uh, four years. I graduated. I well, I joined in 2012. I signed up for classes in August of that year, and then I finished in 2016, spring of. And what's next? Well, I went and I continued to overeducate myself. I uh, I went to Arizona State. I got into the composition program there. Sun Devils. Yep, yep. Got a job as a teaching assistant, helping with the theory. You know, that's and, trippy. You would pick yeah. that school. That school's got a reputation as a party school. <laughs> you know, I never really saw it. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> so the Santa Barbara, there's certain Chico, there's certain schools, right, that have a kind of... But but maybe, yeah. I mean, of all the schools to pick for... Because this is like way higher education. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, master's program. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the the school, it was a major difference from where I was at, right? So Tempe. Yeah, University of Nebraska Kearney, there's like 100, 150 students in total, like in all the music programs. And it, at Arizona State, I want to say this was probably closer to 600 to 800 students. At least, at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, just in the school of music, so... Like I found that I had a, a, there were a lot more like really good performers around me and people who are interested in experimenting and doing new music. Yeah. Um, so I'd like write for people for their recitals or whatever. Um, and there was a Society of Composers Inc. group. So I joined that and we put on concerts by ourselves. The composition studio was very active about doing concerts about quarterly, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and I formed my second year. I tried to form a, a, a little trio uh, performing new music. We we performed one gig. We we, we didn't really last. And, and no recording. Uh, did we record? I don't think we recorded it. <laughs> no, not not that specific event. But you're not really doing recording at this time. Oh, I I am. I'm doing. I'm recording my own pieces. Right. So it's. Some of the things I sent you were from my time there. Oh, okay, okay, like Man Alone. Uh, yeah, so um, just like me and whoever I was partnering with. Oh, uh, so you did have people, the, the kind of uh, ensembles? Um, ensembles, individuals, like whatever we could hack together. It was kind of on a case-by-case -case basis, right? You just like find the people you needed for the performance. Sure, sure, sure. Make the performance happen. That's Once interesting. So the piece dictates, not like the band dictates the piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Look, we're at the end of the first hour. April 17, 2023, Dish Pedro Show. Special guest, J.P. Lemke. Hold tight for hour two. April 17, 2023, it's the second hour of Pedro Show. <sighs> Thank you.
simple.
Off for Pedro Show, start off the second hour. J.P. Lemke and EDME with neither N nor N. Whoa, that's a Kanye drum. Uh, Naisuka after that with if an apple were to invade a two-dimensional world. And finally, EDME with, no, this is a solo version. Glenn Sog. Gestures. So you supplied the, the music and you had these cats do it? Uh, this is a case of Eugene Difficult Music Ensemble's work. So um, this is pretty early on. I want to say back in 2019, maybe 2020. Uh, we started the group not long ago. And this composer from Portland, Glenn Sog, reached out to us. And said, I've got a couple of pieces. And at the time, we were just kind of doing graphic scores and text-based scores, things that didn't really need much rehearsal. Um, and Gestures was one of those pieces. And the solo version that you played was done by a percussionist at the time, Kathy Shea. So she put together uh, all the different uh, instruments, I guess, for it. Instruments includes onion skins, among other things. Um, and performed her own uh, distinct version of it, yeah. Yeah, we should give her credit. Is it C-A-T-H-Y? K-A-T-H-I-E. Okay, it's K. With I. Okay. Yep. And Shea, S-H-E-A. Oh, I wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. S-H-I-E-H, I believe. S-H-I-E-H. Okay. Or H-S, sorry, H-S-I-E-H. S H I E H. It starts with H. It starts with H. H I E H. H S I E H. Oh, yeah, it's I'll put it in the chat. It might be, it might be uh, Asian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I just want to put down, 
I mean, just don't have to be fucking yeah. on air, but it's okay. Right. You wouldn't have we're letting, up, we're letting, we're we're letting people uh, peek behind the curtain here. Right. Remember Wizard of Oz, Frank Morgan, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. He yeah. was the fucking dude behind the curtain. Okay. Is Eugene the next stop for you after fucking Tempe? Yep, it is. Okay. So, um, I came up here uh, after I graduated with my master's and I started a doctorate in, in music theory of all things. I was trying to change it up. I found out I wasn't really into that <laughs> as much as I thought I was. And then I tried to swap over for a doctorate in data-driven instruments. And then I quit after me and the, the head of that department didn't quite see eye to eye and moved on to teaching um, as a job, piano teaching. And Eugene, what, what school was this? Was this University of Oregon? Yeah, it's University of Oregon. Ducks. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, uh, the whatever you call it, traditional institutional learning worked for you for a while, but then you know that things those things happen. Uh, and yeah. uh, and then you you run into some people off campus to play music with. Well, I do, and we kind of connected at the university while I was there. So what happened and how EDME like formed was that I had a couple friends in the music department. Uh, Kathy Shea was one of them. The other one was Milton Fernandez. And uh, Milton in particular approached me and said, there's this guy I know, he's looking to commission a work for an event that's downtown in Eugene. And I said, sure, I'm interested. And that's how I got to know uh, Lee, Lee Pembleton. Um, and he was really the brainchild of the group. So I wrote a piece like on a very tight time constraint. I only had like a couple weeks. Um, slash schwa was what it was. And we performed it in a sports bar of all places downtown as part of this event he was hosting. Um, and like from there, he formed. Can, if it was a sports bar, can I ask you if the fucking TVs were going? I The TVs were probably going. Yeah, I can't <laughs> fucking believe that shit. <laughs> I've had to do gigs and get this. Yeah. And sometimes like there's 20 TVs. They're all on different channels. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, I'm going to play some. Uh... Oh, was that gig a success? Uh, you know, it's such a weird thing. I would say, yeah. Like there okay. were people who came Mentioned. for the event who were there and they yeah. loved it. Okay. And there were people who were there in the bar who wanted to just be in the bar and yeah. they hated it. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. But like farmer would tell you, you want a good crop, use a lot of manure. Yeah. You gave me this teach yourself to fly. I want to play it. Sure.
Live from Pedro Show at Chunk of Music. Start off with J.P. Lemke in EDME. Teach Yourself to Fly. Ray Shin from Reno, Nevada after that with Last Bus to Long Beach. And finally, J.P. Lemke in EDME with Debt Rot. Bach está muerto. So it wrote. said Death wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes it gets euros. Sometimes it don't. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So now that you broke the water with that piece... This starts turning into a, a regular ensemble? Uh, yeah, and we were just performing at bars and at uh, wherever we could around, like Funnigan Games, which is a game shop. They hosted us a couple times, and so did Old Nick's, a bar and- in town that they had a couple people, one in particular who loved new music and wanted to have new music nights. So... We were doing that for a while, doing uh, audience-led pieces too, what we called graphic score evocations, where we would invite uh, audience members up to join us in interpreting a graphic score. When you're talking about us, how big is the ensemble at this point? We are just a no, sorry, a quartet in the beginning. So it's just the original Lee, me, Kathy, and Milton for a while. Right. Um, And and multi-instrumentalists? Uh, Milton on piano, okay. me doing electronics, yeah. uh, Kathy doing percussion, and Lee sometimes helping, but mostly just running the show at this point. So you got like a table in front of you with a bunch of boxes and shit? <laughs> or, well, is that, or is it laptop? Or is it because you know some of these bands, the laptop, right? The guy just hits the space bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes. Okay. Just I try curious. to be more interactive than that. <laughs> Well, sometimes they'll put like a, a sheet around the table so you can't see the legs or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but you're also involved in the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So, tell me about uh, that. Like they're involved because it's a dynamic kind of composition, it's changing uh, in the moment. Yeah. I mean, since we were mostly doing text based and graphic scores, um, we thought it'd be a good idea to, to bring in the audience with it or invite, if there was no, another band playing that night, invite them to join us and interpret a graphic score together. And how, how, did, I, that, how did that actually work in real time? Uh, uh, let, let's give an example. So I remember one time we had a text-based score, also from Glenn Sog, um, and we just projected it on the wall of this venue uh, in The Wit in Eugene, and uh, we gave the audience toy instruments, or if they'd brought instruments, uh, sure, because there are other people performing that night. And we just like performed it all together so that there are clear instructions like projected to them, and we're all following along. And, uh, you know, to me, always the trip of improvised music. Well, these were not really improvised, though, right? Because you said there's a score everybody's following. Or does the score contains improvised portions? Well, they're very general scores, okay. right? Like, yeah. I think of the one that we played, the example I gave, it would be like you'd see the word louder on screen or Fort sparse text. or quiet or something like Pian- that. Pianissimo. Okay. Yeah. Remember all the it's Italian perfect. words, right? Because uh, opera. Yeah, just just English words, actually. Yeah, just yeah. English. But uh, you know the tradition, all these yep. people ask me why there's so much Italian. It was because opera, right? And they were the first guys to kind of sell manuscripts. Because there's no recordings, and there's no real way to, like, share music. They kind of came up with that, so that's why a lot of those old words are like that. But, yeah, why why involve another discipline on people? Like, yeah, you got to know what this fucking foreign word means to yeah, be part of the band. Yeah, exactly. Right. Look, we're at the end of the second hour. 
April 17, 2023, Dish Peter's your special guest, J.P. Lemke. Hotel Fire 3! April 17, 2023, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
gotta say, I'm really sick of driving to work all the time. I might start taking the bus. It's pretty cheap. I'll save a lot on gas and car repairs in the long run. <laughs> you know the bus system sucks, right? So? So? I took it once. Three hours to make it ten miles. Three hours. Last mistake I ever make. Maybe it was an off day. I'm not willing to risk it again. Would not recommend. Fine. What would you have me do? Carpool, man. Yeah, but I, I don't want to have to organize all that. It's worth it. Trust me. By the way, you were sure to turn the thing off, right? What? You know, the, the thing. What thing? I know you know what I'm talking about. The thing. Oh, right. Um, let's see. Did I turn it off? Uh, I'm having a hard time recalling. I don't know. Yes or no? Not sure. Give me your best guess. Then I would be inclined to lead towards the no side of things. What? What time is it? I, I didn't mean to... What time is it? Well, it's, um... 11.59. Oh, fuck. Code 328. This is not a drill.
As you may have guessed, and which I am certain that I do not need to say to you, is without a doubt. Most definitely not. This is not a drill, produced by J.P. Lemke, with voices by J.P. Lemke and Jeremiah Sweeney. As a disclaimer, the composer would like you to know that he does not actually believe in drills. Well, rather, it's more like he does not believe in brown drills. Only flash drills. Machine 3 out. Watch for Pedro Show, start off the third hour. J.P. Lemke and EDME with Stay On It. Sounds like Jim Brown, right? Get on up, stay on the scene. That's it, that's it. Then we had uh, Hubert Selby, Junior Infants, new band out of uh, Dublin, Ireland, How to Steal a Car. And then finally, J.P. Lemke with N-E-D-M-E with This is Not a Drill, in parentheses, right arrow plus picture of cucumber, close parentheses. Okay, so uh, how did the EDM ensemble evolve? Because you said a four, four to begin with. Where are you guys at now? Well, it's it's been a journey because like the pandemic happened in 2020, right around the time that I became executive director. Like that was on the horizon. So I remember February 2020, 
I was I was well, not begging. I was asking Lee if we could become a nonprofit, and we were going down that route. And we needed to choose like a president and executive director, and I signed up. And then pandemic, so we decided we were going to record once it was summertime, um, and we had a little more freedom. So we started up the YouTube channel, um, got a few gigs that were available, like not a lot to be go around. And I also wanted to start us up on major projects. So um, that turned into the Eugene Garbage Project, which we premiered in May. Oh, is it 2021? Yep, May 2021. Um, after many delays, like it was supposed to be a lot sooner than that, but we just kept delaying it. Eventually just kind of gave it and live broadcast it rather than having an audience there in person with us. And so, uh, yeah, I can tell you a little bit more about that if you want. Of course. I mean, it's part of your first, your trip. So bring. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'd been thinking about the project for a couple of years at the time, but basically what we did is we collected garbage from the community, like whoever was willing to donate whatever trash they had, picked up some from the riverbank as part of a cleanup effort that the city does every year on the Willamette River. Willamette, and, people, not Willamette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does it right. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, we then took pictures of all of it, all of it we could, and then recorded sounds with it, and that was like a member-wide thing. So you take you take pictures of the garbage, and then you record it. Yep, we recorded sounds with it. Yep. Yeah. How? How? Oh, a lot of different ways. I just let everyone else do the sound recording. I collected and edited and and composed the piece. Um, but like you could bang it together, rub oh, the garbage. Okay. 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 I understand. So, like, if you found a can, you could be beating on that can and record that. Yeah, or try to bow it or put okay. water in it and swish it around. Sure, sure, sure. But, the like, the thing that you began with was garbage. Yeah, okay. That's, yep, garbage, and, yep. And, but you're repurposing it to, from garbage to musical instrument. Yeah, absolutely. And so I made animations with the pictures and uh, composed a piece with the sounds, one that could be controlled live. So it used a camera feed and uh, two gloves, one yellow and one blue, and it just registered the colors on the gloves. And it turned it, I turned it into an instrument that our performer, um, Emma Rose Lynn, that she could just do live. And so she sang and she used the gloves to control the electronic instrument. Um, and we did like a 40, 45 minute show, I want to say. Well, and where? At the, at the sports bar? <laughs> Not at the sports bar this time. We had uh, Eugene Contemporary Art had a gallery at the time. They don't have it anymore. We broadcast from them. Ah, so it was more than live. It was also going up over the airwaves. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't have a live audience. We couldn't at the time. Oh, that's right. The situation. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, the last music you gave me, this uh, glacier marks terrain. Yeah.
Watch for Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. That chunk star with J.T. Lemke and E.D.M.E. with Glacier Marks Terrain. Rubber O. Cement after that. Captain Menthol Mano Paws on Mercury. And finally, J.P. Lemke and E.D.M.E. with the America Battle Cry Pasta Show. Whew. Okay, hip us to this, this Glacier Marks Terrain. Yeah, I'll tell you about it. Um... So that was one of a couple of commissions that Lee uh, put out for us. I want to say back in 2020, he reached out to Cheryl Leonard and uh, she wrote this piece for us. And it's, it's fantastic. What she did is she based it off of um, formations that she saw in, in rocks while she went like hiking in Scandinavia. She was out for some composer's retreat thing, I want to say. And... Um, there's very unusual formations and she kind of saw it as like a language like engraved in the rock. So she took and she emulated that on paper and, and gave that to us and just said, Hey, pick four stone slabs and then four, four other rocks. And, and what we do is we, we mic up the rocks with contact mics and then we trace um, her rock language into the slabs. Whoa. That, that... I mean, where do you get an idea like that? <laughs> I don't know. There's a, contemporary composition is so interesting and varied. It's all over the place with things like this. Yeah, and, and you think Mr. Cage, he, he kind of broke ground on that. Remember at the beginning of the show, I said, for me, when I think of the man, I'm always thinking this question, what is music? And, uh, you know, sometimes it was negative. I remember he was talking about noise. And like you try to talk to your yeah. buddy and in the background, there might be some beautiful Mozart going on. But as far as you and your buddy try to have a conversation, that's noise. Yeah, it's the framing device. So, yeah, I was getting at this word conceptual, right? It's a concept. Yes. Yeah, the context, the way you fit it. And so it seems you're looking at uh, for some kind of fundamental, some organic connect. Maybe music's got too removed from where it comes from. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't know exactly what the composer's intent was there, but we, we do play a lot of pieces that are kind of similar to this. Um, we have, in fact, reached back into Cage-like composers, um, Allison Knowles, Yoko Ono, and their, like, Fluxus scores. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, have you ever done those? You looked at them, but have you ever performed them yeah we have oh uh, okay okay shoes of your choice that's allison knowles okay uh, that's right that's right idiot what but but i mean that's the whole idea of it now this piece is going to be part yours because you're the one performing it, not so precious the ownership like the right like sets of instructions and stuff like this it's all dependent on on the uh the delivery the performance yeah that's what's wonderful about yes, it. yes 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 makes it very personal right yes absolutely takes away this thing of of uh you know the, the musicians or the performers being just like automatons to, you know putting out player piano uh sheet music you know uh, paper with holes cut out in them sometimes i think you know yeah uh although i did see something trippy once i saw yeah. pierre boulet this cat took me to see the uh him conduct L.A. Fort Philharmonic doing this mag- ma- Mandarin, uh, Mr. Bartok's uh, magical Mandarin. And uh, you could tell they were fighting him. And when they let go, yeah, that was a trip. There's something about that. 
because I, I felt it. I fucking felt it. There was something about it. It wasn't just performing instructions, you know. But then they're not given the latitude like uh, I think John Cage and those guys. They they weigh more that the performer was supposed to assert them themselves. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's the trippy thing about the art, the artist, the whatever, all those kind of uh, contextual kind of things. What's what's uh, first? Let me uh, ask you for the listeners. Where can they find more? out about your music on the internet is there a website uh yeah we have www.edmensemble.org um i try to keep that relatively updated right, um, right. so best to probably just follow us on instagram i believe we're at edm ensemble you probably uh, have links to that at your own website though right uh yes we do so if you go to the website you can link to all our social media including the youtube uh Bandcamp, Instagram. Yeah, that's a trip because with the visuals, that's important. So what's your next plan? Right now, the big thing going on is uh, we got our second annual new music festival coming up in the fall. Great, great. So the first one was a big success last year. We did three concerts. We're going to do three concerts again in downtown Eugene. Okay. And uh, if there are composers in the audience, we have a call for scores and a call for guest artists open right now. You hear that, people? Get on board. Get on board, uh, man! Uh, wonderful. What about record? Are you? Are you? Have you gotten into that yet? Like uh, having a JP Lemke Bandcamp page? <laughs> you know, I uh, I kind of went into the EDM ensemble uh, sphere. Okay. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And and I, I haven't. There's nothing much new up there, but I do have a SoundCloud from a billion years ago. Well, maybe about four years ago, where you can find some <laughs> of the the pieces that you listen to today on. Okay, okay. And do do you do, you do music that's not that's non EDME? Uh, not so much anymore. Just performing for the ensemble these days. Right, because you want to yeah. focus. I understand. Because you can dilute, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was a minute man with D Boone. I hardly did anything but Minuteman. It just seemed to make sense. So I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But you know, if the if the ensemble, EDME, whatever, new works, and you feel like you want to bring it out, come back on the show. The invite's always open to you, J.P. Lim. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love what you're doing. I want you to keep on keeping on, please. Absolutely. Okay. People, been April 17, 2023 edition of Watt for Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.